Defense Matters, a podcast about defense, technology, and the power of that movement. An Israel Defense production in association with IAI. Hello, and welcome to Defense Matters, a podcast about all matters of defense and why they matter. I'm your host, Aaron Heller. I hope you've been enjoying our journey into all matters of defense, security, technology, strategic and military affairs, and much, much more. Every episode, we've been delving into a various issue here in the Middle East with a featured guest and taking a glimpse into the future and our Game Changer Corner, in which we take a look at the battlefield of tomorrow. Today is our last episode before taking a summer break, so it's a special edition. Uh, you might have noticed that we're hosted here at the Israel offices of Cybertech and Israel Defense, so we figured it's only fitting that we focused on that, that major issue today in modern warfare, cyber and cybersecurity. There's so much to tackle. As we know with Israel, it's a hub of activity and, uh, and innovation in this field, and it seems like almost a week doesn't go by in which there's some kind of uh, element in its shadow war with its most dangerous adversary, Iran. Of course, it's a global issue as well. We've got a lot of things to tackle today, and so for that, I'm really glad that we're joined by Erez Kreiner, a former director of the Cyber Division of Israel's Shin Bet Security Service, and today, a senior research fellow at the Institute of Counterterrorism at Reichman University. Thanks, hello. Happy to be here. Thanks, Ares. It's very good to have you on Defense Matters. Let's get started with an overview of cyber. It's a buzzword today. Everybody talks about it. Um, but what exactly are we talking about? I mean, it's a whole new ballgame. Uh, the, the war today are not decided by tanks or airplanes, but more often by people behind computer screens. Um, can you give us a little bit of context about yeah. the room of cyber uh, in, in the modern warfare? I'll be happy to. Let me give you a very clear definition, a very precise one, and I think a very simple one of what is the cyberspace. Cyberspace is wherever electricity current is running. It doesn't matter if it is controlled now by computer, because in a few years it will be controlled by kind of a control machine or a computer uh, software. So wherever there is electricity current, then there is piece of the cyberspace. You know what? Even when there is no electricity current, like if you are in the middle of the jungle, you are naked in there, and you just uh, light yourself with the moonlight and uh, drink water from the next by river, still you have a digital identity that someone can steal, someone can vote with your name, someone can take money from a bank or from a credit card uh, company. So it means that it doesn't matter where you are, Cyber is around us. Even here, when we sit in this uh, studio, we have a lot of uh, cyber and cyber machines uh, surrounding us from our uh, digital uh, watches to the computers, to the microphone, to the software that we talk to. When all this is the kind of vulnerabilities that are focused or are seen in the eyes of uh, hackers, doesn't matter if it's a gang of hackers, a private hacker, uh, state support uh, group, everybody, there is always everybody that is looking for a vulnerability in this uh, software or in this uh, cyber uh, machines, and he will find a way to exploit us. Well, it's really interesting what you're saying, because we have this image of hacking, that cyber mm -hmm. is just hacking, but now it's, you've got banks, you've got uh, airplanes, you've got uh, voting systems, uh, elections, it's, it's sort of everywhere. Is this like the new normal now in the world? Yeah, because... Computers are everywhere, and 
Cyber is part of the computerized world. And cyber for computers is like medicine for human beings because we always will need, to the end of time, we'll need doctors, we'll need the cues, we'll need the methodology to, uh, you know, to work with sick uh, people. In cyber, it's even worse because there are people that are looking for vulnerabilities and are looking for exploit and they develop vulnerabilities and exploit. There are not so many people that, de- that develop viruses or, uh, you know, other uh, malicious uh, sicknesses in the world. But in the cyber world, in the cyberspace, people are always looking for new vulnerabilities, create new vulnerabilities, create new exploit to these uh, vulnerabilities. So that will uh, come, go with the human race until the end of times because the human race will always have some computer machine, doesn't matter if electronic, photonic, quantum uh, computing, mm-hmm. always computing will come with us. So let's, let's talk about here in Israel, since yeah. this is our focus here, and, and you know Israel has a reputation of being very potent also in its offensive capabilities, also in its defensive capabilities. Mm-hmm. We, we know about these foreign reports all the time about all these attacks against Iranian installations. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, we hear all these things about Israel being vulnerable as far as its water, its electricity grid. Can you talk a little bit about this offense versus defense conundrum that Israel has versus Iran? Well, let, let, let me say that, uh, that offense and defense are connected as, as I do now with my uh, hands. If you are a good uh, defender, you know a lot about offense techniques because you need to defend from them. If you are on the offense uh, side, you need to know a lot about defending because you need to get over those uh, defense circles that your opponent uh, has. So uh, it, go- it goes together. And the skills either to become a white hacker, I mean, on the good side, or to become a black hat hacker on the wrong side, it's just a matter of a decision of the guy that do the hacking. And between states, it it, it goes the same. Every modern country in the world is a country that depended on computerized system, critical infrastructure are all supported by computers. And if they are supported by computers, then they are vulnerable to cyber flaws or to uh, any vulnerabilities that they have in, uh, inside. And there will be people on the other side, either in Iran looking for vulnerabilities in uh, Israel and or vice versa, you know, just, you know, I, I cannot uh, say nothing about it. This is like an under-radar uh, uh, activity, but still any country wants to have that uh, skills as any country wants to have its army to be or military forces to be very strong and have the most modernized uh, weapons that uh, there are goes the same for uh, cyber and it's even easier because in order to produce a tank you need a lot of uh, resources but in order to produce a virus or to create some trojan horse or worms or all the other uh, words that are used in the cyberspace you just need to have some clever people with a computer you do not need you do not need to have those resources to develop uh, like when you need when you develop a plan or when you develop uh, some other physical uh, weapon let me ask you a little bit about the diplomatic element yeah. because of course this isn't Long ago, it's out of the realm of technology. Mm-hmm. President Biden was just here in Israel, and right before him, there was a lower profile visit. His national cyber director, Chris Inglis, was here. Um, there's a lot of talk about Israeli US collaboration. Biden's even referred to as a coalition of like minded nations. What does this look like, this, this, this cooperation on cyber between the US and Israel, and, and in fact, other countries as well? Well, what I can tell about it is the collaboration between countries is based on exchange of knowledge. 
I know something, you know something. Sometimes, you know, in Israel we live in a very tough uh, neighborhood. So we need to always defend ourselves from many attacks every day. So there's a, a knowledge that develops from the need. And uh, that uh, developments are can be used by American. Uh, sometimes I, I take this uh, example or give that example to my American uh, fellows. I tell them, listen, America is like a naval carrier. I mean, it doesn't matter what the height of the wave in front of the naval carrier, behind the carrier, the sea is flat. In Israel, we are like speedboat comparing to a carrier. But we cannot flatten the, the waves, but we can move very quickly. This is the, I would say, the Israeli advantage when you uh, look at uh, what a small country like Israel can contribute to the United States. And then there are, of course, a lot of uh, things that America can contribute to Israel. And when you have same needs, when you have part of uh, your enemies that are common to the two, uh, to, for the two sides, then you have a collaboration. Well, a lot of people want Israel. I mean, we know that part of the Abraham Accords also with uh, mm -hmm. the UAE and others. I mean, a lot of people are drawn to Israel's cyber abilities. Mm -hmm. That's like a draw for these countries. Right. There's something in Israel that makes Israel a, a very good place to for the development of cyber skills and cyber uh, tools. First, there's the mandatory uh, yeah. service in the military forces. And so it... it, it create a common ethos between all, almost all the people in uh, Israel. And uh, then we have a very uh, short connection lines in Israel. You know, I can get in one or two phone, I can get almost to everybody in uh, Israel. This is something that is not uh, so much known in, in, in many other uh, countries. You know, once I was in a, uh, in a meeting in the United States and my colleague was from the FBI and I asked him, uh, tell me, why don't you just send a message to all the security officers in your country. And he looked at me and smiled and told me, you know, if I want to send a message to the 17,000 law enforcement agencies in the uh, United States, I can only use CNN or uh, ABC or other broadcasting uh, national network. I, I cannot do it. In Israel, I would just take out my uh, cell phone, you know, and, and send a WhatsApp message to, to the group of all the people in Israel. So yeah. you get to have a lot of uh, knowledge from many uh, places. It doesn't matter if this comes from the electricity uh, company or from the airplane uh, company or from another infrastructure, chemical infrastructure or finance infrastructure. When you melt all of this together in Israel is a lab where everything can be uh, melted uh, together and fused together very easily and very quickly, then you get good uh, you results. You see a lot of that in TV as well, in TV You're series right. like Tehran and mm -hmm. Fout and other things like well, that. I don't know who yeah. does it in Tehran, <laughs> but, you know. Um, let me ask a little bit also the globally larger yeah. picture. Um, it seems like in the past, you know, alliances were defined by different kind of uh, um, criteria. In this case here, cyber is becoming one of those defining ones. We look at Russia and China and North Korea mm -hmm. and Iran, the access that exists in the world is a lot along that line of cyber. Like the United States has to defend against, you know, Russia hacking into its election system and against Iran to the military system. So what do you think about this? Is it that these uh, actors are sort of, they're targeting Western nations, but also whoever doesn't line up with their agenda, this is their new weapon to disrupt the world. Exactly. And, and, and more than that, there won't be any kinetic war in the future without a cybernetic war accompanied or even maybe as a, as a main part of the war. Take that in consideration. You can hit a missile with a virus 
You cannot hit a virus with a missile. Remember that. This is a one-way street. You can hit almost any kind of weapon with a cybernetic uh, weapon. I mean, I can use the same virus against a jet plane, against a tank, against a communication uh, network, against a submarine, and, and etc. And et there is no even one physical weapon that you can use both against submarines and against uh, airplanes. And you know what? Even against uh, satellites. And more than that, you cannot hide. You cannot hide from viruses. It doesn't matter if you are 80 meters below Earth or over there in a space shuttle or wherever you are in the world. Cyber or cyber weapon will get to you in the speed of light. And, you know, it can. we're talking about the, the, the power of uh, nuclear missiles, how they can split into 16, into 25 uh, warheads. Well, uh, WannaCry, one of the viruses that uh, uh, we met three or four years ago, it hit hundreds of thousands of targets in a couple of hours. No other physical weapon can do a thing like that. So, so let's talk about a use case. This is a relevant thing and a good transition. If we're talking about all these elements, a good use ca case right now is Ukraine. This is happening right mm -hmm. now. Um, how are the Russians using cyber in their assaults? How are the Ukrainians defending themselves? Can we talk about that? Well, you know, the, the, there were uh, a cyber hits or cyber I would say cyber operation, Russian cyber operation, before the physical invasion uh, started. And then what was very interesting about the, the, the cybernetic uh, war between Ukraine and uh, Russia, that there was also other players that we haven't seen in other uh, wars or battles in the past. Because suddenly we've seen... Elon Musk, the company of Elon Musk, Starlink, give capability to the uh, Ukrainian people. Is it part of the war? We've seen uh, technology companies, huge technology companies, that help the Ukrainian to defend themselves. I mean, they didn't send tanks, but they sent technologies, they sent methodologies, and, and etc. versus the Russian. On the other side, we've seen, you know, a lot of uh, civilian hackers you know, supporting their military forces. If there were Russian hackers, then they would attack the Ukrainian. And Ukrainian uh, hackers attacking Russian uh, uh, targets. And, and, and we have the civilians involved in the, in the war, even if they are not in the front line. So, you know, actually, if you have a computer at home, you might be a kind of a soldier in this uh, cybernetic war, maybe you can hit, I don't know, a, a, a communication network and you can help the people in the front to, 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 to get an easier uh, task. So something was very, very uh, confusing, maybe I would uh, say, because, you know, in, in physical wars, there are laws, there are international laws about uh, war. It doesn't matter if someone breaks them or not, but there are laws. In the cybernetic uh, wars, in cyberspace, there ain't no international laws, there's nothing, and, and it's very complex to make or, or to decide on a law like uh, that. gets that. me to the next question I want to ask you about, because obviously we're talking as a state actor, you're talking about mm -hmm. good things you could do, the white hat supposedly. But as we know, there's a seedy underbelly to cyber as well. We know that Israel is not immune from that either, and especially when it comes to these groups like Black Cube, NSO Group, I mean, what's with these guys? They're always in the news. It seems like a week doesn't go by when there's some kind of trouble. NSO was uh, blacklisted uh, by the United States. Uh, and so 
how is, is this something which you see as far as Israel's position? Israel's got the reputation of all these great things it does, but it also has this element. How damaging is that for Israel? Well, I, I may tell you, I, I think that Enso was uh, in the focus because they were good. They were very good. Maybe they were the best in the world. But there are a couple of uh, companies that do the same thing as Enso. They just didn't get the, the same publication, both in Europe and in the United States and else, uh, in elsewhere. Uh, I, I think this is part of the new uh, modern age. There always be companies, there always be uh, uh, bad actors, and I don't say that NSO or others are bad actors. No, because they sell, sell their products only to uh, governments, you know, and law enforcement, uh, and what they do, the other law enforcement or other com- uh, sorry, countries yeah. are doing with those uh, products. This is something else. You won't say that someone that sells a machine gun to another country, how many people were yeah. killed because of NSO? How many people were killed because some uh, weapon maker yeah. sold his guns? So you think they're a scapegoat? You think that because I just read last week in the New York Times that, you know, they had uh, NSOs on the blacklist, but at the same time, the American military contractors are trying to purchase the company and that the FBI is trying to purchase Pegasus. So it's mm-hmm. like a mixed message over here. That's right, because everybody understands that they must have a technology like that. Listen, take this example. If you are a criminal and I am a criminal and we get together in a coffee shop, then there's no problem for the police to put a detective in a table nearby and listen to us. Now, let's say that you are at home and I am at home and we speak to our WhatsApp, which is encrypted. So we say, okay, end of the game for the police. The police won't be able to understand what two thieves are uh, talking between uh, themselves. Uh, maybe you are a murderer, or maybe you are ordering a murder from uh, me. So it, it, it's a mixture. It's not a, a clear cut. There must be, of course, balances and, and, and all these uh, regulation of the law, but as we, as we know it. But the problem is that technology is much, much faster than the legal uh, world. To summarize it, you would say basically, like, this is the new normal. There's no way to stop it. you got to right. roll with the punches and hope that the good guys win, right? Right. It's like to, to try to stop it is to, to, to tell people, listen, I want to control the knowledge of mathematics. You cannot. Everybody know what is two multiplied by two. You cannot... Uh, Say, okay, I just want these people to, to know that, and other people, they will know how to multiply. And the same thing. I, you cannot have some people have that uh, knowledge, and the other won't have that uh, knowledge. It's just a race. So I'm not saying if it's good or uh, bad. I am on the defending uh, side, you know, and I help companies to, to defend themselves from bad actors, from, uh, I would say, uh, malicious uh, hackers. But I understand that there will no be a wall without those malicious actors in the future. Great, Wells. Thank you very much. Fascinating stuff. And uh, we'll be right back with Game Changer for more on cyber in a minute. Break, break, break. Welcome back. It's time for our Game Changers section. And since today is a special edition, we're going to stick to the cyber theme. And for that, I'm really happy to have a real expert in the field, Esti Peshin, the Vice President and General Manager of Cyber Division at IAI. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Alan. It's great to be here. Well, thank you. We've talked today a lot about cyber, what all the relevant threats that are going on. But in this corner, we like to take a little bit of a look into the future. So I can only imagine this is going to become more significant down the road. Could you talk about that a little bit? Cyber is evolving at the speed of light. The threats are evolving. The solutions are evolving. 
the uses, the usage we make of the cyber of the cyberspace are evolving as well. And this uh, is going to bring on a very exciting future for us. Now, I don't claim to be able to speak about all the changes that we expect in cyber in a short answer. I would like to speak about one. So the world is becoming more autonomous, and we rely more and more on autonomous systems. Just by way of example, autonomous cars, driverless cars are starting to, uh, to drive on our streets. Now, these cars need computer systems in order to be able to drive safely. They need to communicate with other cars, and they need to commun communicate with the center of command and control. This communication is done through cyber means. This means that the cars are susceptible to cyber threats. And we, as an ecosystem, must develop solutions in order to counter these threats effectively. Because otherwise, our streets, our highways will be ridden by accidents caused by potential cyber attacks. So how do we do that? How do nations and companies, I guess, defend themselves uh, this ecosystem? So nation states must rise to the occasion and must develop solutions. Now, one important element that we need to consider, Aaron, is that when we're talking about strategic cyber challenges, we need strategic cyber solutions. And these solutions comprise of five elements. First and foremost, state-of-the-art technology. Now, Israel is a hub of excellent cyber technology. IAI is a hub of excellent cyber technology. But technology on its own does not solve the problem, does not provide sufficient cyber protection. We need also methodology on how to effectively use the technology. We also need constant innovation because the solutions that are applicable today are not necessarily the solutions that will be applicable tomorrow because the cyber domain is evolving. We need collaboration. Our strength lies in the numbers. Our strength lies in our ability to share information. If a certain organization is hacked and it shares information about the hack, then other organizations can protect themselves and mitigate potential attack. And finally, we need capacity buildup. Capacity buildup essentially speaks about training and awareness of everyone. Because the weakest link is still the human being. It's still the driver sitting in the car and not understanding that something is wrong. It's still my mother connecting to her bank through the internet and not understanding that someone is conducting a phishing attack against her. And this is why nation states, countries, must invest a lot in capacity buildup, in training, and in cyber awareness campaigns. And how is Israel in this regard? So Israel pursued the ecosystem approach very early on in the game. And Israel is a hub of excellent cyber technology. And uh, I must uh, give credit to the Israeli uh, government, especially to the National Cyber Directorate. They are allowing companies to utilize uh, the ecosystem as sort of a beta site. Now, this doesn't necessarily mean that they are purchasing solutions, but they are testing solutions through various types of projects and are allowing to mature them and to be able to provide them to additional customers globally. So Israel is taking a leap forward in terms of technology and is also very, very supportive on the other elements that we mentioned, like methodology, constant innovation, collaboration, and finally, capacity building. Finally, um, we've talked about this corner, the game changer, and IAI has all kinds of different products. Can you talk about one such maybe game changer in the field down the road? Yes, so IAI is engaged in building national level cyber solutions. We are a global leader in this area. 
we develop solutions that are tailored specifically for the national level, both in terms of monitoring a nation state and identifying potential threats against this nation state, but also protecting critical infrastructures that are moving more and more towards the autonomous level. Uh, we, are, we have established a company by the name of Cyviation that is focused on cybersecurity for commercial aviation, which again is an area that I can elaborate on a lot, but is potential, uh, a, a huge potential for cyber threats and obviously for cybersecurity solutions. Uh, we are the leaders of the Israeli National Cyber Lab for Smart Mobility, for intelligent transportation systems. So we're developing also solutions uh, for cybersecurity of smart mobility. And we are also engaged together with Israel shipyards in developing solutions for the maritime arena, cybersecurity solutions for the maritime arena. So on one hand, we are focused on protecting nation states, detecting cyber attacks against nation states, and on the other hand, for protecting critical infrastructures, especially in the air, sea, and land arenas. Excellent. Thank you very much. Really fascinating stuff. And thank you to you and to all our guests who joined us today. In fact, to all of our guests this season as well as today, we're taking a break for the summer. Not to worry, we'll be back in the fall for more episodes of Defense Matters. In the meantime, you're welcome to come and visit us and follow in all the outlets on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcast, Anchor, many more. Be sure to like, subscribe, follow, that whole thing. Uh, we'll be back soon, not to worry. Until then, I'm Aaron Heller saying goodbye, and I'll see you next time on Defense Matters.